You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you're looking for any type of batteries, whether it's for your truck, your car, your trail cameras, your rangefinder, stop into a local Interstate Batteries retail location. There are thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States. Talk with a battery specialist and get the batteries that you need to go on with your life. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. What's up, guys? My name is Parker McDonald, and I'm your host, and you are listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I've got a um, just a, a group of buck killers that are we're going to be talking to today, and uh, we've got a lot of fun stories to kind of go over and go into tactics and things like that, but really what this episode is going to be about is um, just kind of highlighting the ability to hunt the rut in different times of the year or different times of the season in Alabama. I want to highlight that a lot because the, the, the two guys that I'm talking to, of course, are Drew Robbins, who is the co-host of this show, and uh, he's actually right here on the line. Drew, how's it going? Going good, Parker. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm tagged out. I've killed more deer mm. this year than I, have, than I have in my whole entire life. And so in in one season, so I'm jacked up about that. Um, and so I that, got them all quartered up. Got that's a big so deal. I mean, it's, it's a, this is a big deal. This is the first is, time you've man. tagged out in Alabama. That's really yeah. Oh cool. yeah. Um, so I'm yep. excited about that. We've also got Jordan Pope, who's going to be joining us here in just a minute. Um, and Jordan is from not terribly far away from where we're at. He is actually incredibly close. And has a completely different rut that he gets to hunt. And Jordan has killed two solid bucks. I guess, really, he's killed three bucks. He's tagged out on bucks in the last, um, uh, like, three weeks, I guess. Two and a half, three weeks. And But in the last two days, he he's killed two great bucks. And uh, one of them being this morning. So, um, we got him on the line. We're going to just kind of talk about the differences in in what we see as far as throughout the year. And hopefully what this does is if you don't live in Alabama, it will give you the um, – maybe just kind of put a, a bug in your ear. Maybe it could be a great place for you to come and be able to hunt a different rut at a different time of the year um, than where you are hunting the rut in your home state. Um, there's a lot of great places like that. I know Mississippi is um, heating up right now in a lot of a lot of the state. Alabama is just now getting started, and in fact, it will um, – it will continue really past deer season. Um, I've talked about it before, but I killed yeah. a buck several years ago, Drew. I, I think you've heard me talk about it. Um, I killed a buck on the last day of the season on February 10th. That was, I mean, running does like I've never seen before, which is amazing. I mean, it really is. Yeah. It really is amazing to see that he was running like three different does around and they were all three acting hot. So I'm, I, I always, I will always remember that as being like, it's not over until it's over. It's not over till the fat lady sings. So if you're not tagged out on bucks yet, do not give up and maybe, maybe look around, see if you got some public land somewhere where the rut might be uh, a little bit later. But before we get into that and, and talking to these guys who are just, just straight up killers, um, we're going to get into a, a little bit of a, uh, a thank you segment to the people who make this podcast possible. We're going to talk about scree gear um, Scree has been just an yeah. incredible company to us. They've supported Southern Ground, and um, man, I've I've loved using their stuff, Drew. I know you have as well. And uh, I don't I don't want to you yes. know rehash anything that we've talked about. But if you haven't checked out Scree Gear and you're in the market for some just awesome hunting camo um, that is very much a system that um, works, man, I, I've used it hot weather in Kentucky. Cold weather in Kentucky, cold weather here in Alabama. I've just used it a lot, and it's been it's been super great. Rain, snow, wind, 
heat, whatever, and, and they have something for you. So if you want to go and check that out, you can go to screegear.com and uh, you can use the code Southern Ground, all one word, all lowercase at checkout, and um, you will uh, get uh, a little bit off of your order. So um, another company that we absolutely love and we love to talk about is Tethered Nation. Tethered is um, making some of the greatest saddles that exist right now. I'm actually, Drew, um, I, I don't know if you spent a whole lot of time on the the Facebook forums, and we can talk, we talk about this maybe just a little bit too much, but it, it is kind of fun to talk about. On the Facebook forums, uh, there is a, a trigger word, um, and maybe it's not so much of a trigger word, it's a word that triggered people use a lot, and it is fanboy. Have you heard that on those pages? I ha- I have heard that. Yes, I have. So I have, and here's the thing: it, the the way a company gets these quote unquote fanboys is by making great stuff and taking care of their customers. So the next time you hear somebody say, "Oh, you're just a you're just a fanboy," for whatever company you're talking about, it, it can be a daggum bow company or saddles. Uh, boats, whatever, whatever it is. If you if you hear people saying, "Well, you're just a fanboy," maybe that is a company that you should be looking into because you don't get the title. Companies don't get fanboys without doing something right. Would you agree with that, Drew? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what's the opposite of fanboy? Like, you know, uh, a disgruntled person that doesn't like your product. I mean, you know, so <laughs> exactly. like, like if you. Like that—that's what's so confusing. I mean, and and guys, I mean, it's it's especially here in Alabama. You know, Alabama, Auburn—we're all fans of somebody. You know, and and so, uh, uh, so it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, and two, it's like we talked about a couple weeks ago, man. You got keyboard warriors out there, man. Just just if if you don't agree with somebody's statement, just keep on scrolling. You know, and if, and if you don't if if you don't want to do the tether stuff, which I don't understand why, because they're it's got great stuff. Then, but if, if you go with somebody else and say, hey, that's cool, that, that's also what sets Tethered apart, too. It's because they're here to build the saddle community, not just their brand, yeah. um, which is really cool. Yeah, and, and I can tell you, I know all those guys personally, and they're upstanding guys. They, they just want to see people um, learn about saddle hunting. They don't care what kind you're using. Obviously, they'd rather you use their stuff because that's how they make money. That's how they have a business. But at the end of the day, right. um, we're deer hunters and we're a community. And um, I want to hold that thought, though, because um, after we talk about this next company real fast, I want to I go back to something. I want to tell you a funny story that happened to me today. Um, but uh, the next company that we want to talk about is, of course, New Canoe. And if you are interested in getting into a kayak, whether it be for fishing, uh, deer hunting, turkey hunting, waterfowl, whatever it is, I can tell you this, New Canoe is going to be your best option um, for all those things. If you are a person who likes to have a lot of space, you like to have a lot of stability, and you like to um, look freaking stylish while you're doing all of those things, then New Canoe is obviously going to be the best option. I've loved mine, and uh, I think you'll you would love it too, so... Um, check out newcanoe.com if you're interested in doing that. And feel free always to uh, to reach out to me personally on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And uh, if you have questions about how to set up a kayak for hunting, um, specifically for hunting, um, reach out to me. I'd be glad to, to help in, in any way I can. I love doing it. As most of you guys know, that's my that's kind of my, my thing. I love it and uh, be happy to help. So, Drew, I want to tell you about something funny that happened, and then we're going to get kind of into this episode with uh, with you and Jordan. So, um, so today, actually, really, it's been it's been fairly regularly lately. Um, YouTube has really just first off, it's blown up like it's it's doing a great job in the last um, little bit. Really, since we started it, it's been it's been growing consistently since yeah. we started the new channel, but. Um, right now, shameless plug, right now we are at, uh, let me see, uh, 3,990 subscribers on YouTube. So that we started the channel back in like late June, uh, early July, somewhere around there. And uh, at this point in the season, we're at almost 4,000, which is pretty stinking cool. So I have a lot of goals and a lot of you know hopes and dreams that are going to go into that over the, the year 2021, which by the way... Uh, Happy New Year! It's uh, this is going to be the first episode of the new year, which is, yes, it is, which is cool. Um, 
but you know, yes. we're ten away right now from uh, from being at four thousand. Which for me, that is just I'm super excited about. I wanted to say thank you to everybody who supported it and uh, and watched the videos. We've really enjoyed making those and uh, and uh, put them in front of you. So, um, but uh, on this last video that I did, um, it was a video from Tennessee where I shot like I shot three deer. Uh, our buddy Jeremy from the Hunt and SOBs shot two, and I mean we just we just tore up the deer that day in Tennessee on their farm. And dude, trolls have come out of the woodwork on this one video, <laughs> and I don't know what it is. I literally can't figure out why this video, out of all of our videos, why this one has just triggered so many people. But I got this funny comment, and. uh and I wanted to read it because it was just it was just so funny. I can't <laughs> I can't put into a, I can't really explain it. But the the reason why it's so funny is um, people are so, like so in this video I passed up a coyote right like there was this big gigantic coyote that came out and I was gonna shoot it when it was gonna give me a pretty easy shot but then it kind of ran away it caught my wind ran away and I had more shots at it but I just I was like you know what. Ammo shortage right now is kind of rough. It's hard to find 30-06 bullets, so I'm just going to, you know, let it walk. I'm here to kill deer, not coyotes. And uh, and this is just a big, beautiful coyote. But um, people have really been triggered by the fact that I didn't shoot this coyote, which if you do any amount of extensive research, and by that I mean just Google it, um, you, can, you can find a lot of studies that say that shooting one coyote or two coyotes during deer season – doesn't do anything. In fact, it, it could be more harmful than good to the coyote population because what it does is it takes a, uh, if you shoot one of those big alpha dogs like that, you could stand the, the chance of another one moving in and, you know, basically just breeding like crazy. And they're, they're pack animals. They survive because they're pack animals and they know how to keep their pack healthy. And so if one coyote dies, then they'll make more, they will breed and make more. And, and the ones who are kind of more of the quote unquote wanderers, they'll move in. They're looking for a home range. Those big alphas, they're looking for a home, a home area. There's a lot of studies to prove that. So you can look it up. Um, but this, this, the fact that I didn't shoot that coyote has pissed off a lot of people, which is amazing to me. Um, but this guy, this guy said something funny. He said, your ear, number one, your earrings are stupid. And that was it. That was number one. Um, so I don't know why that, that one comment just got me. Yeah. I cracked me up. Your earrings are stupid. Number two, shoot the yote and worry about ammo over the upcoming season. I'm like, okay, like, but I don't want to. So why would I do that? And number three, if you're worried about ammo, why did you take shots at a deer that weren't clear? So I want to, I want to talk about that for a second. Um, uh, on his number two, the number one, we're not even going to address that if you don't like gauges in my ears and uh, I don't care. I'm going to keep them. Um, the second one, shoot the coyote, worry about ammo over the upcoming season. Number one, um, I searched all over the place for 30 out six and couldn't find any number two. Um, like I didn't want to shoot the, the coyote. I already talked about that. But number three, if you're worried about ammo, why did you take the shots of deer that weren't clear? So I've realized over the past, um, I don't know, really since we started this podcast and, uh, since I started making videos, like I take a lot of shots that are, um, not necessarily in like wide open areas. And most of that's because I'm hunting thick areas, which when we talk to guests, Drew, what is one of the number one things that the people that we talk to who kill good deer, what's the number, one of the number one things that they say to be where to, where to Find hunt? Find the thickest, nastiest Find the thickest, nastiest spot you can on the whole piece and hunt right there. Exactly. So it's kind of it's kind of blown me away to see how many people really aren't doing that. And you hear a lot of people like, oh, there's no deer on public land. There's no deer in my area. There's no big bucks here, whatever. And um, I think maybe that may be part of the issue is these people are not hunting in these areas. Like you're going to take shots where you have to thread the needle. If you're going to hunt thickets, mm -hmm. if you're going to hunt thick areas, you're going to have to thread the needle more times than not. I'm not telling people to take, you know, uh, unnecessary shots, you know, try to find the, the most open area that you have. But at the same time, man, I'm, 
I, I feel like I've had pretty decent success killing deer and like, that's, that's just how you have to do it. You know, you have to do that. And sometimes you're going to hit stuff like, especially with a bow. I've, yeah. I've learned that the hard way. And quite honestly, like I probably am going to keep taking those shots um, because that's the areas that I'm hunting. So it, it's unapologetic. Right. I'm, I'm, I don't feel bad about it. The, the, the reality is, is most of these guys who we're talking to don't have YouTube channels and you can't watch the shots that they're taking. All you're seeing is the deer that they're killing. And, um, but I've talked to plenty of them on a regular basis and that's what they're doing, man. I mean, you have to take shots in thick areas. And so, um, anyways, I thought that that was an interesting talking point, something interesting to bring up, um, because that was fresh. The guy actually made that comment like 15 minutes ago. And, uh, and so I was like, man, I kind of want to talk about that on the podcast because, you know, one of the things that we, you know, I try to tell people all the time is that same thing, find the thickest, nastiest stuff you can find and hunt it. Like that's where bucks are going to be at. The reason you're not seeing them in the wide open hardwoods is because they're in the thickest, nastiest stuff. And, um, you just find a way to kill them. You find a way to get in there and kill them. So, um, anyways, that is a shameless plug for the YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed, like I said, we got 10 more before we get to um, 4,000. So I'm pretty excited about that. But we've been talking long enough. I want to take a moment to introduce today's guest on the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, Mr. Jordan Pope from Northern Alabama. Jordan, how's it going, buddy? Good. How are you? Doing just peachy. Now that I got all that off my chest, I know you heard all that, but I got all that off my chest and I'm feeling better about life than ever. But I know you are probably feeling a whole lot better about life today because uh, you had some success this morning, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you guys may know Jordan. Um, you may recognize that name because we actually talked to Jordan. Uh, man, what, it was probably back in April, March or April. Uh, was it? No, it was at the end of the season, so it would have been April, right? It's like right there, yeah. Early May, end of April, I think. And uh, Jordan yeah. crushed some turkeys in like what did you, was it like four birds in four days or something like that? Four birds in five days is what it was. Four birds in five days. That is outstanding. Like that is, uh, that's pretty stinking cool. And, um, it, it kind of has worked the same way for you during deer season. And, uh, so tell us a little bit about where you're at. I mean, you don't obviously have to tell us everything cause I don't want people swarming your area, but tell us a bit about, a little bit about where you live, what your hunting style is and, um, you know, what you do for a living and things like that for people who haven't listened to that Turkey episode. Uh, I'm from Florence, Alabama. Uh, as far as the kind of stuff I hunt is generally the same thing as you for deer. Uh, we look for transition edges and like bedding transitioning into or out of hardwoods, maybe look for food sources. We kind of cut close to private a lot of times just because of the food sources and bedding coming to and from it, things like that. And, uh, as you can see, some days it works out. But as far as what I do for a living, I'm a union plumber. So, okay, okay, that's cool. All right, so you um you live there in North Alabama, really, like we said before, not that far away from where we're at here in um, in North Alabama as well, and really kind of experiencing a completely different rut than than what we get here. Not by just a, a long stretch like some of the state is, but um, definitely by a pretty good, you know, few weeks there. So what's your rut typically like, um, where you're hunting at? So from what I've gathered for myself personally, just from looking at kills in the past and pinning down dates, it really looks like it heats up that week before Christmas and goes into the first week of January. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's kind of what I figured for where you're at, and I know where I hunt, you know, which is, again, as a crow flies, really not that far away from where you're at. Uh, where I'm hunting at, and where Drew's doing a lot of his hunting at as well, is um, 
right there around the beginning of December. So I, t- I think my I killed my tag out buck on December the 5th. And judging by the trail camera ha- I had set up in that area, it had just really gotten heated up as far as bucks chasing does and stuff. Um, so, Drew, you recently tagged out as well here last week. Tell me where um, about your rut is for that area that you were hunting. I know it's a little bit different from um, from where I'm hunting as well. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really unique because um, I've actually got to hunt two ruts this year, um, just just where we're at. Um, and in one part of the county, it's it was the um, just like you said, park around that um, first middle of December um, area. And then this last one that I killed was um, it was just like Jordan was saying, it's like a the twenty second, and so it was it was the week before Christmas, and um, and it it was like man it was we weren't seeing nothing and we didn't have anything on cameras there was no no tracks no nothing and all of a sudden it's like somebody flipped a switch and everything just broke loose and and um and and so uh, it was it was cool because i i killed a buck the first of december and then i killed a buck to, um towards the um in, end of december and both of them were were rutting and this i don't know of, of, of another state that you can go to that has it so spread out like this. And then I know we've talked to guests that the, you know, first of November, they were, they were killing bucks that, that were chasing does, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible. So you were, um, that, that first buck you killed at the beginning of December. That's what I, I that's what I kind of remember. And, uh, let's see. The first buck you actually killed was somewhat like pre-rutting, right? Like the first, your first buck of the season. It was, uh, which, yeah, how, yeah, it was when was pre-rut. that? That was probably because I killed two bucks within five days. So that was probably okay. around uh, December like 7th, 6th or 7th. Okay. So so you killed those bucks fairly close together and then this one a little bit later. So you talked about uh, it seemed like it just kind of lit up all of a sudden. Do you think that maybe it could have been like another, like a late, a late cycle doe just kind of came in on your property and it kind of lit up the woods. Is that kind of what it felt like? Um, no, this one was, um, the buck that I killed, um, right before Christmas. It was, uh, we, we started seeing tracks there on the road, bucks chasing does, um, started seeing a lot more um, scrapes and a rough pop up. And, and so it, it was, it was full blown, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it, it 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 was really interesting because it, it traditionally has been towards the um you know middle of December over in that area, but for some reason it was just pushed back. I, I don't know why it was just pushed back, and it it lit up like a Christmas tree, man. There was there was bucks going everywhere, and so it'd be interesting to see. I'm on I'm gonna go back at the end of January and see if there's a secondary just to just to you know see if there's a, a you know, some, some bucks chasing does towards the end of January, just to see if that whole, you know, four to six week theory holds, holds true, you know? Yeah. And the, and the reality is, is that may not happen. You know, that's not a guaranteed right. secondary rut. You know, a lot of times right. you, you don't get the late cycle doe, especially if you're, um, if you have a good buck to doe ratio, especially like they'll, they'll just get bred. So it's not an all the time type deal, but tell me this drew, and right. then we'll, we'll get back to Jordan as far as like, the mileage between where you where you killed the other buck and this buck how about how far apart are those places uh as the crow flies eight to ten miles eight to ten miles and almost a month Mm -hmm. different of a rut and and then if when you look at uh where i'm hunting which is probably as the crow flies you know i mean 20 ish, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. not even that far from where you're at. And, and where we, we get it at the beginning of December, almost all the, all the time. And then at another portion of that, which is probably 10 miles away from both of us, um, you're getting November rut. Like mm-hmm. a lot of those deer are coming into rut in November, which is just crazy <laughs> when you really think about it. Like that's just, 
that's nuts. It's it's like no other place that you could ever experience. Now, um, I don't want to give the wrong idea in that there's just bucks running around like crazy like it is in the Midwest in a lot of those places. Like, you still have to go out and hunt them. You're going to go out and not see deer some days during the rut. Is is that kind of your experience yeah. as well? Yeah. I mean, there was, there, there was multiple sits where I didn't, I didn't see anything. Um, and then it, <laughs> what it, what it also does to, um, us having such a spread out rut is it makes for just a really long grind of a season. Um, and yeah. for, for the guys that are married or engaged or, I mean, it's, it's, you know, the wife's thinking that you're going, okay, like, I mean, you <laughs> kill two bucks in five days and, you, and you're like, yeah, but I got the rut still coming. And she's like, well, what, what you've been hunting? I'm like, well, I've been hunting the rut. It's just, so it, <laughs> it makes for you, you always have a lot of really worn down uh, deer hunters and marriages at the end of January in the state of Alabama. <laughs> it's true. That's true. So tell me a little bit, uh, Jordan, the area that you hunt, whenever the rut finally does kick in, are you seeing just like bucks go like crazy or is it just still kind of just like kind of a trickle? Like you'll just see maybe, it's a good sit if you see one buck chasing. How is it there? Since I hunt so close to super thick stuff, it's rare that I actually even see a buck chasing, like legitimately dog ando. I mean, you might see some bumping around, or you might see one follow behind, you know, somewhat after, but it's very rare that I even see a, a deer dog in a doe. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like I, I can probably count. I don't know. I mean, since I started doing the kayak thing, I I see a little better rut activity. Just getting back to some unpressured deer, but before then in Alabama, I mean, if you saw one, first off, if you see a buck, it's more than likely going to be it during the rut. Um, and it may not be. It may just be a cruising buck. You know, you you may I can probably count on one hand how many times i've actually seen a, de- a buck dog and a doe um and it's it's awesome to see it because i'm the same as you i'm hunting those thick areas a lot of the times where you just aren't seeing that kind of stuff and the likelihood of it being a, a big buck dog and a doe is even lower just because we don't have a ton of big bucks um but so you mentioned that you're hunting in those in those really really thick areas does that ever change for you based on what time of the season you're hunting jordan are you like pretty typically like your setup is going to be about the same from october all the way through january in the beginning like in both seasons i'll i'll pretty much get as thick as i can like pretty much like in the middle of bedding if i if i can manage it but once rut starts hitting i kind of open up to more of the edges leading into hardwoods where I can catch them coming in and out of drainages or, you know, bucks from different areas coming by and just trying to catch that wind before they head in. Yeah. So explain that a little bit. I'd like to hear you kind of break that down just as far as like those differences in, because a lot of people be like, yeah, man, I'm right on the edge of this thicket, right in the bedding cover. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's maybe what you think. And, and I would probably tend to agree. So you're saying, it's a little bit different when you're in the middle of the thick stuff. That's when you feel like you're in bedding. Are you going in and scouting and finding that bedding and setting over it, setting up over it? Is that kind of how you're doing it? Yeah. What generally, like when you get in that super thick stuff, like in Alabama, since our bucks, like it's so thick, a buck can bed in one bed one day and then walk, two miles that night and just lay down anywhere because it's so thick. So it's, it's hard to just nail a bed down and go, okay, this is where I need to be. More of what I have to do is you just find these corridors and the super thick stuff that they're traveling, mm-hmm. especially in the middle, you know, coming in and out of it. And you just try to sit that corridor. And that's usually where you see your deer. If you're going to see deer. Yeah. So moving into the rut, you kind of are moving a little bit, a a little further out into maybe not wide open areas, but what you kind of talked about, just little funnel, is is it kind of basically like funnels and pinch points leading from that bedding or, or are you doing like more of like a, like terrain feature type, um, trying to catch cruising bucks 
kind of explain that late season or not late season, but rut setup a little bit more. Okay, so like a perfect example is that eight that I killed today, that wide eight. Uh, me and a buddy gave a sit on him early season because he, he was kind of daylighting right before bow season. He was daylighting good, so we thought maybe we could catch him slipping up. Well, where I was at and where I situated myself during that early bow season, I probably had a 15-yard shot all the way around. Literally, he was going to be on me because at that time of the year, He's, he has no reason to expose himself. And then where I killed him today was probably 200 yards away from there, <clears throat> kind of off of a road that he'd been making rubs and scrapes on. And it's a finger ridge going down, but it's between two pine thickets. So he was still using those thick areas, but he wasn't exposing himself in between them a little more than he would have during bow season, where if you caught him, he was going to be super tight. I mean, you were going to be maybe see him for five seconds and maybe get a shot. What was it like in your actual setup? So you, you said you were kind of on a, on a little finger ridge. What was the terrain like in your, in your setup? Was it like some ditches coming up out of those thick pine thickets? Yeah. So those, those two pine thickets, they set up on top. It was three, like, they're really short finger ridges, almost like rolling hills. Okay. So there was two two pine thickets up top above me, and it was a finger ridge in between them that was on a, a slope with two drainages that come up on each side of it. So what the deer were doing is they were leaving one pine thicket and kind of crossing that hump and then going into the other pine thicket. Okay. Was it – what? You said it was about 200 yards away from where he was showing up on cameras and stuff during during bow season. What was the reasoning? I guess the the main question is, is were you hunting that specific deer? Did you have a camera set up there where you knew that he was using that same area? Or was it just kind of a just like shot in the dark guess of where he might be at? So during early bow season, uh, a buddy of mine – put the camera back there and he was daylighting like hard on like these little trails going through that thick stuff, but not out really in any, uh, anything more open. And whenever we hunted him during bow season, we were right on those trails. Uh, I put a camera in, the deer disappeared. He absolutely changed his pattern once bow season came in and he was gone for probably two and a half months. Well, th- that camera got pulled, and probably about a month ago, a camera got dropped back in, and about two weeks ago, the buck daylight is coming out of one of those trails. And what that told me was that, and it was kind of a different trail. It was leading out into some of the more open stuff. Mm-hmm. So immediately I was like, man, this, this buck's killable. He's he's just going to be wandering around in here scent checking you know he's he's got some cruising going on so as soon as i saw him daylight and i knew that i could kill him and i would catch him kind of more heading to where you know you would might see does cross like in some of those more open areas that a buck wouldn't just be in for no reason yeah it, it how as far as the buck density in that area is there a lot of deer is it kind of one of those things like, you know, he was the only buck that you had showing up on that camera or, you know, cause a lot of times in, in areas where you have a really low, a lower deer density and more importantly, a low buck density, um, they may, they may wander around just a little bit more, especially if you start seeing a lot of that sign open up, like say on a finger ridge, like what you're talking about, you have a pretty decent chance of if you're seeing the buck signs start to open up if there's not a lot of bucks in the area that might be where he's at is it like that or is it kind of again just a shot in the dark oh no there's not many deer in the area i think in a one month period i got the same four does on camera there's two smaller bucks and one random buck came through Hmm. that's interesting so four four does and four bucks basically that you had on that on that camera yeah. and one and one yeah. that was only one that was really what you would consider a shooter 
or what was that? Was the random buck a, yeah. a better deer? Yeah, the random buck was also a younger deer. Uh, the younger one of the younger deer I walked on that bonus buck day. He came out grunting at a doe, and he actually snort wheezed. But that deer was probably seventy inches, and even though it was bonus buck day, I knew I really didn't want to shoot that deer. Yeah. So that's interesting to to think about, you know, for a lot of guys who are saying, um, because you hear the same thing. I mean, in North Alabama and really across the South, like you just, you're not going to see a lot of deer. You're not going to see a lot of bucks. Um, Our rut, like we've already talked about, is just not, you know, it's not like you're going to see in a Midwestern state uh, where bucks are just crazy running around all over the place. But one of the things that it does do is it gives you the opportunity to search out that, that sign and those really, really good terrain features that are, you know, and it, and it may be subtle, like something you're talking about with a small finger ridge and, you know, a uh, some thickets kind of coming together on that on that finger ridge where you got, you know, a, a pretty hard transition. It's it's a lot easier to to pinpoint where maybe that one buck in the area might be at. You just find that the thing that offers him the best food security whatever does whatever it might be and you can really pinpoint that and not get distracted by buck sign on every single ridge you know what i'm saying that's that's something that in in like kentucky when i've hunted there it's really hard not to get distracted by all the deer sign i mean you'll be driving down the road and see a line of rubs just right off the the gravel road and you're like man maybe i should set up here no, you still need to don't get distracted by all that because there's just deer running around all over the place like like crazy people. But here in Alabama, you can kind of key in on those certain things knowing that there's just not a ton of deer. And we talked to uh Nathan Killen, he talks a lot about that in um in mountain country where he's hunting at where it's just monotonous. He finds those little subtle things that might stick out to him um that might offer the best because like you said Jordan, um you know, out here, it there's a lot of thick stuff. There's a lot of areas that a deer, that a, a big buck could possibly bet at. And every ridge pretty much looks the same. But there are going to be some of those, like, just really small things that you'll be able to pick out that will say, like, yeah, this is the this is the spot where I'm going to kill him at. So I thought I thought that was that was super interesting. Um, so looking at your deer, Drew, can you tell me uh, this this most recent buck, your tag out buck? Can you tell me what that kind of setup was and then i want you to talk about um the encounter that you had with a buck with a real big buck after you already tagged out because you were still getting on the deer just going out there and trying to kill does so um kind of talk a little bit about that first one though and that uh what he was doing how how you were hunting it how you set up on it and everything like that okay yeah um if, if our listeners remember um in in bow season um I had an encounter with, with a big buck and, um, and this was the same, same setup. It was in the same spot. It's a, it's a small two acre, um, two, three acre clear cut that, uh, just gets overlooked. And, and so, um, setup is there's a, there's a thick, nasty clear cut up top. There's, there's a, um, there, there's a ravine, uh, or draw that comes up and, um, and then I'm sitting, um, on, uh, the, the transition line. And so it basically what it does is it pinches everything to me. And so, um, I, uh, gave it a shot during, during bow season. Cause, uh, it's it a cold morning during, during bow season. I was like, I'm gonna go in and try it. Had a nice encounter with, um, uh, a really nice eight point And then, um, and then also a full point and couldn't get a shot on the, um, on the, uh, big eight. So anyway, I, I tucked that away. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to wait till the rut. I'm going to come back in here. And, and so, I didn't touch it for, oh man, almost two months. And so, um, my dad came down and so, uh, we, we, we hunted the week before Christmas, my pops came down. And so I was trying to put him on a deer, which I ended up doing. Um, he actually killed a little small basket rack, um, on another piece, um, 30 acre piece that, that I got permission to hunt on. That's cool. I didn't know your dad killed one. That's awesome. Yeah, it, yeah, he he um, killed a, a just a little basket rack. He said it was the first buck he's seen all year, and and so he, he's from he's from Florida, Panama City, and so he he saw horns in Alabama, and he went to pop it. And so, <laughs> um, so so put him on one, and then we we go the next day, and 
uh, I got climbed back up and um, I had told myself um, and Parker, I've said it on the podcast. I, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to make every buck bigger than the one before. And so I really wanted to stick to that, but I didn't. And so, um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, I was sitting there, I climbed up in, in my saddle was tucked in real nice. Um, the only thing that I could climb on that transition, cause it, it, it was cut pines with a pine tree, but I was tucked up nice next to a cedar. So they, it was, it, it set up really well. And, um, it was sitting there and it was, it was blowing about 10 miles an hour. And for, for this stand, I have to have an east wind. And, and so I, I had it and went and sat on it and was sitting there and, um, uh, man, probably around eight o'clock. Um, I heard what I thought at first was, uh, um, branches just hitting together, you know, and, but it, it sure sounded like horns. I'm like, man, that sounds like antlers hitting a tree. And sure enough, I, I looked, I looked down about 50 yards away. There was a buck that was on making a scrape and was hitting a licking branch. And then also, um, taking those horns and just, I mean, just hitting it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, which is awesome to see. Um, and then, then he steps out a, a little bit more and, uh, just absolutely thrashes a, a scrub brush. I mean, just beat the junk out of it. And I'm sitting there watching this and it's not often that I, that, that, that you see, at least in, in Alabama, at least for me, um, I hadn't seen that much, you know, buck activity, rut activity sitting in a stand. And I mean, he's just killing it, man. Like he, he made a rub. Uh, he hit a licking branch. He, he's thrashing, making, making a scrape with rubs. I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I know. Um, and in back of my mind, I'm going, Parker's going to get frustrated at me because I need to be filming this. That's what I kept thinking. I'm like, <laughs> I need to film this. And uh, so I was sitting there and I was like, man, do, 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 do I want to shoot this deer? And a lot of things went into it for me. Um, one, I was with my pops, which is always awesome, you know. And so, um, and then also this was my first saddle kill. And so, um, and which, which I thought was really cool too. So, yeah. uh, so I, yeah, I, I, I ended up shooting it and he was, he was actually in the middle of tearing up that, um, scrub brush and, and I sent one and, um, and I actually hit him, I hit him forward and hit him right in the brisket and, um, I, I blew it out and then he, he jumped and he turned and he ran right at me. And, and I put another one in him as he was running and he, he flopped and almost made it to the bottom of my tree. And so, um, so which, which was really cool, but it, it was such a cool deer hunt, man. Like it, it's just one of those days where you're just like, you just, man, I'm, I'm lucky to be out here watching this, you know? Yeah. And then, so that was, that was, that was that buck. And, um, but there was a lot of tactics that went into that. There was a lot of self-control. I'll be honest. I really wanted to get in there. Um, just because I'd, I'd seen some, some, some guys had some big bucks on camera and I kind of had a feeling they could have been coming from there, but the wind was never right for it. And I, I waited and I waited, which is very uncharacteristic of me. Um, normally I'm just going <laughs> in and just, let's, I'm like, I'm just going to hunt it. And so, but I, I, I really held off, um, played the wind right and, um, sure enough came out and ended up killing them. And so, that's how that one went down. It's, it, it's a great little spot. Um, it, it's a pinch that, that they have to cross right there or come up out of the bottom. And, um, man, it, it just works out perfect. And yeah. so I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to get in there next year and do the same thing. It's interesting how similar you guys, um, and a lot of people may not even realize how similar that is to the hunt that Jordan was just talking about. Um, you have a real thick mm -hmm. area, you have a cut over Jordan on, in his case had, uh, a pine thicket, you know, but it was a, just a, a drainage, basically a ditch coming out of that mm -hmm. thick stuff in, in, into the more open area. And when I think about, when I think about personally, the, the bigger deer that I've killed in my life, it's sets up similar. And with people that we've talked to on the podcast, a lot, you know, we were talking about that troll comment that that guy made about hunting thick areas. Whenever I think about the yeah. guys who we talk to a lot, you know, the Michael Perry's, Jamie McKay's, those type of people who are consistently killing deer, a lot of their setups are pretty similar to what you guys just, just talked about. And so I don't, I don't want to skip past that just like it's nothing because realistically somebody might be listening to this podcast for the first time and hasn't heard us talk about it. But I cannot stress enough, and I'm sure that you guys are probably the same, 
I cannot stress enough how um, well this this little piece of information, this little tactic, I guess you could call it, works of of finding those thick areas and um, and setting up on them. They're just great. Cutovers are something that people I hear all the time. People are hating on them. They're like, you just can't kill any deer because it's all cut over. I'm like, man, that sounds like a freaking gold mine to me. When I, when I hear about a cutover, yeah. I'm like, that's yeah. that's where I want to be at. You know, that's that's that offers everything yeah. that they need. And if you can get on the edge of it, if there's any way that you can get in there and hunt it, you need to do it. Um, so, Jordan, going yeah. back uh, three days ago, you killed a really, really good deer. And uh, I know that was a special one for you. Can you t- kind of tell me how that, that hunt went down? And we'll, we'll try to break it down a little bit. Yeah, so the funny thing is, is both of these deer were killed out of the exact same tree. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. I went, I went in to go kill that white eight. Uh, I knew he was daylighting. I knew he was in there. And I got it. It was, it was overcast. And I love an overcast day. And it was just slightly like mist raining. And I was like, man. And I hadn't been back into this area since like bow season. I'd been waiting. And uh, I got set up, got in there. And I had actually, there, outside of those two pine things I talk about, you're in between two cutovers. There's two, there's one private cutover, there's one on public. So the, all this is split right in the middle of it. So it's just like a landmine. I mean, it's, it's just deer sign everywhere. So I walked, I dropped a pin towards the back of the private cutover because that's where I thought he was, the big eight was coming from. So I walked back there and I walked past a trail coming through like just some privet. And I looked at it really hard. and I was like, man, this is really where I need to be. And I just kept walking. I walked another quarter mile. I got back to that private cutover like right on the edge of it and i looked at it and i was like this isn't where i need to be and i literally turned around and went and set up i got in the tree at 4 10 but i was i got there at like three o'clock i was walked back about three forty-five, burned a bunch of time just kind of looking around decided where i need to set up is this is this so morning about, morning or evening this is afternoon okay I literally, uh, we got off work early that day because whenever it's a holiday, usually we, we cut out a little bit early and I was like, yeah, man, this is going to be a good day to go hunt. So I get in there, get set up. It's about four ten. I'm sitting there, you know, on, on days like that, usually you're not just going to have an explosion of deer movement anyway. Well, I was looking, looking and out of the corner of my eye, I seen a buck come out of that pine thicket. And I was like, wait a minute. And I couldn't, I knew he was a big deer. Well, my, I had dropped milkweed like five minutes before that, and it literally floated exactly to where he came out. But I had set up like 25 foot high. I use a Versa Aider, and I, I mean, I, I got super high. Well, I lost him for a minute, so I went ahead and got my gun up. I had, I had literally sent one of my buddies a picture of the hole and told him, I was like, I'll kill the deer here in like five minutes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he hit that hole, dude, and I pegged him, dropped him. Literally have a picture of him laid down <laughs> in that hole. Nobody was like, no way. So by the, from the time I set up to the time I, time I shot him, was 20 minutes. Golly, that's awesome. Is it, yeah. is it a situation where you could have killed mm-hmm. him from the ground, or did you need to be up high? Oh, I'd have never seen that deer if I was on the ground. That's, because it's so thick and, and just by chance, when I got that high, it threw a hole, like a perfect hole, about 70 yards down right to the end of that knob. And that just happened to be where he crossed. Wow. And so you... And that deer, I don't know. Go ahead. Sorry. I don't know where that, I don't know where that deer came from. I had no pictures of him. I honestly feel like he came in there cruising and bedded for that day and was really headed back towards that private cutover where I feel like he'd been living most of his life and he just got caught slipping. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty interesting. You know, you go in and you were going in and hunting the deer that you were, I would assume you were going in and hunting the deer that you shot today. Is that right? Yeah. So going in after a completely 
different deer in an area where you hadn't had a ton of pictures, you know, of bucks. And out of the same exact spot, you shot two bucks in two days. That's incredible. Now, Drew, you had a similar situation almost where you went in early bow season into this spot, kind of saw what the deer were doing, had an encounter with a good buck, go in there later and kill mm-hmm. kill, kill another buck. Um, but you had another yeah. encounter um, this past week. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I had a, I had an encounter with a big buck. That's what it was. And it was, um, <laughs> it, it, it was crazy because I, I had, whenever I killed that other buck, my uh, tag out buck, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. Like I said, my dad's here first saddle kill, but also like there was a part of me too, just being honest where I was like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be done, you know, um, hunted, hunted hard this year. Um, we got a baby coming here in about four weeks. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be done. And so I'm like, I'm just gonna go ahead and shoot it. And then, um, so anyway, make a long story short, I, I did. And then my brother called me the day after Christmas. I was like, Hey man, I'm gonna come hunt for a week. I'm like, okay, great. Come on. And so, um, so he, he came up the week after Christmas. And, um, if I would have known that I, I wouldn't have shot this. Uh, I wouldn't have shot that bug because, um, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um, so I'm I'm out there trying to kill a doe. Um, it's during doe week, and I set my brother up, and um, I I actually walked to another cutover, and I'm walking the um, transition line, and and it gets real thick down down by the creek, and I was like, All right, I'm just gonna sit here and just you know see if I can hear anything, see anything. So I sat for about fifteen minutes and didn't. Nothing, nothing was really happening that night. Got ready to leave, and and I heard I heard a grunt out in the cutover, and I'm, you know, it's it's so it's so weird for us to hear, at least for me, um, to hear a grunt instead of Alabama. I'm like, that's a bird. That's not a that's, that's a bird. It's not a deer, you know, and because um, it's just not it's not like what it is like you see on TV out in the Midwest. We just don't have a lot of that, and so I'm like, that's that's a bird, and then but then it then it kept hammering. I'm like, no, that's a that's a bug. And so um, I started sneaking down to where he was at because I, I couldn't see him. And I'm like, shoot, I'm, I don't got nothing to lose. And so I, I, I started sneaking down towards him, and, and I saw I saw glimpses of him. I got I was about 50 yards. I saw glimpses of him co- coming through the cutover chasing a doe. I'm like, this is crazy. And he, he was a good deer, man. He, he was a legit wall hanger, and um, he was bumping that doe. And I got within uh, 30 yards of him. And this is what's crazy. Um the was coming over my back blowing right to him and i'm like there's no way that i'm gonna be able to get close to this deer so i was like i'm i'm gonna go for it and i just walked right at him I'm, I'm out in the middle we we have a green field out in the middle of the cutover it's only it's you know it's about 50 yards long uh, 50 yards wide and i'm just right in the middle of it i'm not undercover or nothing i'm just walking right at him and he he's got his head to the ground he's grunting he's still throw it up and look at her make sure she's still there and um it it was just it was a crazy encounter that I I was just lucky enough to have you know um, I, I wish I had a buck tag um, but it was it was really cool and then the next day I, I had another encounter with a basket rack doing the same thing and <laughs> wind was blowing right at him and I was just like my gosh this is this is God's way of tempting me this is what it is like I, I'm trying to pass a test I guess because. Uh, I, I saw two bucks in two days and couldn't, I didn't have a tag in my pocket. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, I can't see a doe. I just want to see a doe. <laughs> I, I didn't see a doe, you know? And, um, That's how it works, it's man. the only time in my life I think I've asked. Yeah. I'm like, a, and so it was just, it was just crazy. But I, 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 I learned a lot from those two encounters. Um, I got some new setups and I'm going to go back to next year. Cause I found some spots there. And, um, but it was just cool to see how, like when, whenever they're rut crazed like that, you can, they're, they're just dumb. Like, I mean, like, and these, these were windy days. Like these were 10, 50 mile an hour winds. One of those days it was actually blowing 30. I mean, the gusts were up to 30 miles an hour and they didn't have a clue in the world that I was there. Or if they did, they did not acknowledge me. They were bumping does, head to the ground, just going for it. That's crazy. I mean, it is insane to hear you you guys both talk and how just how similar the situations are and um 
and when you when you start talking about you know clear cuts and and things like that, like man, I can relate. But I cannot tell you how many times I've seen on a lot of these groups that we're on on Facebook and stuff where I see people complaining about all the cutovers. Again, I know I've I've already talked about this a little bit, but they talk about how you know that's cut over. You don't want it. You don't want the the whatever the timber companies to come in there and cut down all the cut down all the woods and i get that you know that makes that makes a lot of sense to me but man from a deer hunting perspective that can be some of the best hunting that you're going to find and uh like i think let's see here two two of my bucks from this year where a cutover came into play mm-hmm. um actually no that's false all three of them um somewhat some type of cut came into play all three of my alabama deer um you know, I know Drew. Yeah. The same thing is is true for you, and it sounds like um, Jordan. The same same thing is for you. So, uh, man, at first it was gonna we were gonna talk about just how different the ruts are all over the state, but maybe this podcast should be talking about how you should start hunting cutovers more because that's where it's at. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, hey, I, hey, Jordan. I have a question for you. Um. Whenever you set up early bow season in these uh, real thick areas, what should, I mean, are you are you getting high so, so you can shoot down, or do you kind of stay lower so you can get some cover? Like, what what does that look like? Uh, when I'm bow hunting, dude, I'm, I'm really not trying to get more than 20 feet. I just don't like that extreme angle anyway, especially being right. that tight. Uh, it just puts a weird – weird geometry into play and i don't i I try not to i really try to float around that 17 foot so i'll usually take three sticks and leave one on the ground with my aider right okay yeah that that that's kind of what i was thinking but i mean because i mean you you had made reference to you know i mean a bunch of your shots were only going to be 15 yards you know and that's that's also what i found um and because with 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 most of the clear cuts that I hunt, there's there's literally no trees to get up, so you have to you have to you know do the ground and pound, and and if you do that, I mean you're you know you're ten or fifteen yards you know watching some trails, um, so I was just wondering what your what your setup looked like, um, you know because I know it it seems like with your gun though you're you're getting a little bit higher so you can shoot down into those bedding areas though right? Yes, correct. Uh, I'm just giving myself. A little bit more height especially like in that one spot because both of those drainages coming up in between you have a big hardwood mm-hmm. holler in the back that it seemed like deer from different areas were kind of coming up in to check out that they that like they'd never been there before so you might have one deer come up a drainage and then hop on the ridge with you where if you were lower to the ground you couldn't see down in that drainage you wouldn't have time to set up even with a gun for that deer to be crossing that finger ridge because it ain't but like 15 yards wide he would be all the way across it and you can't see in the other drainage right right yeah i got you and then also you were mentioned earlier like you you and your buddies were you know um had pictures of this deer and and y'all were hunting them did you ever do like a it's going to sound weird but like a buddy system where he like you would go sit on one trail of the cutover he would go sit on the other or did you kind of just go solo with it so that during both season we sat one hunt like that and obviously okay. the deer never rode to either one of us well three days ago uh or the day after i shot the big buck we went in there to kill him uh it was going to be one yeah. of us killed him so and my buddy actually he set up super thick and the buck came in at 30 yards he couldn't shoot him because it was so thick even with a gun and the deer ended up winding him which is kind of heartbreaking. Mm. I, I hate to go back in and kill the deer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the only reason that I, that I asked that, guys, are, is that that's, that's a great way to especially hunt these thick areas is to get a buddy and just set up on, on different trails because he's got to come out somewhere, you know? And so, and two, it's just a really fun way to hunt, too. So, definitely. And we've, that's we, all I have, Bart. We hear people talking about that stuff all the time. Um, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast or not, but, um, I've heard people, I mean, talk about tag team in that if you've got, um, especially those big cutovers. And if you've got in, in a lot of where we hunt, the cutover cutovers are going to be pretty big. You're not going to find just a ton of small ones. 
And so when you find those right. those real big ones, you can find all those different type uh, terrain features that funnel the deer um, all around the cutover. And I've heard people talk about doing that, you know, even if they have a bad wind, knowing that their bad wind might help their buddy out who's set up on, on another, yeah. you know, another ditch like that. That's a really, really good way to, to hunt some of these real thick areas. If you got some buddies that are willing to go out and all help each other, like that's a good dang way to do it. Um, and I think that is especially yeah. valuable when you're going into um, one an area where um, you you know absolutely for a fact that that book, big buck is living in that area. You know, if you got cameras out or you've seen him, you know, a whole lot of different times, and you know he's going to be in there, you go in there. Another time that that is pretty awesome is when you're hunting a new place or a place that you don't hunt maybe a lot you know you go into a wma that you've never been before there's a pretty good chance if you've got a big you know let's say you've got a big 70 acre clear cut or something like that there's a good chance in that thicket there is a deer and there's probably a buck living in there somewhere you know and you can go in blind and use that same type of system everybody sets up on a different spot and your chances go up very high of somebody being able to kill it so you know i definitely think that i don't i don't necessarily get to do that a ton i don't get to get to hunt that way a whole lot but i think it is a a very valuable thing to to do if you hunt with buddies a lot so um we're gonna kind of kind of wrap this up but i do want to want to mention um the the alabama department of conservation or i don't know is it i don't know if ours is called dnr or whatever it is um is the Alabama Wildlife and Freshwater Fisheries Division. So, they put out a post the other day about all the bonus buck hunts that you've got coming up on uh, on some WMAs. And uh, so, all three of us are, oh, are tagged out right now. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I know a lot of people are tagged out. But the good thing about Alabama is a lot of these bonus buck hunts, they put them right in the stinking middle of the rut uh, in that area. So, you can go out and... Mm-hmm. And be able to hunt the rut and use a tag that you don't have, you know, that the state's going to give you just for that one day. So check that out. They, they posted it on Facebook. You can find it on the w, different WMA maps. If you're tagged out or, you know, maybe you want to go check out a new place, um, there you're going to get an extra buck tag on those specific days. So that's a good option. And I think uh, I think I got permission to go and do one of them from my wife in February. So Sweet. I'm pretty fired up about that. I think it's going to be fun. And uh, I, I'm I'm pretty well done. Um, we've talked to you guys about your your uh, your buck encounters that you've had. I have officially not seen a buck since December the fifth, so I'm I'm not doing too hot. But um, <laughs> I hunted Tennessee for like three days, a new place in Tennessee I've never been. Um, our buddy Hunter Lindsay, me and him went out there. He ended up seeing a couple small bucks in one spot and killed a doe when we were down there. And uh, I went back uh, two days ago, I guess, New Year's Day, and didn't see anything. But I did uh, a couple weeks ago. I guess I haven't talked about it a lot. Um, I did kill, like, three does in Tennessee on private land, which was pretty cool. Uh, And so that's been about my my deer hunting for the last, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks, something like that. But, uh, you know, I'm obviously not, not able to hunt too hard right now because I don't have an Alabama buck tag. Anywhere that I could hunt right now, I, I would have to either buy an out-of-state tag or travel a long way. So, just not about doing that right now. It's been great to spend time with the family, but that's kind of my update for the last uh, month. And um, it's been good, though. It's been a great season. I know you guys are, are jacked up about your season as well. It's been been pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll wrap it up. Jordan, dude, I appreciate you coming on the show. It's always good to talk to you, man. All right, that's going to be it for this episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in every single week for you guys who are faithful listeners. We couldn't do this without you, and uh, and we really do appreciate it. Um, if this is your first time here, man, I hope you stick around. I hope you listen to it every week on Monday mornings. We drop this thing at like 4 o'clock in the morning every single Monday, and uh, we're going to be getting into turkey season here fairly quickly. Um, but we still got a little bit more deer hunting to do. Um, I've got some some cool guests lined up 
for the next few weeks. So I'm really excited about that. You can always find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Southern Ground Hunting and on YouTube. Like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, um, we are really, really stinking close to 4,000. And honestly, by the time that this episode airs, we may be at 4,000. But if you're not subscribed, I would really, really love it if you did. Um, I try to put my heart and soul into these videos. I really enjoy doing it. I love bringing the content and kind of showing um, how I'm hunting and, and the, the gear that I'm using. You know, sometimes I'll do a gear review or something like that. But most of it is going to be just good old-fashioned hunting videos and uh, put a lot of time into them. So I'd really love it if you guys would go watch it, subscribe, do all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, that's going to be it for this week. Remember this. That God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next time.